Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 127 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is Anne-Marie Charette. Anne-Marie is a software tester, trainer, and coach with a reputation of excellence and passion for the craft of software testing. An electronic engineer by trade, software testing chose her when she started testing protocols against European standards. Anne-Marie has developed software testing courses and lectured at the University of technology in Sydney. So Anne-Marie, can I ask you to expand on that brief intro and tell us a little bit more about yourself? Thanks, Phil. Thanks for having me um, on the show. I feel like I have seen a lot in my career in leaving university as an electronic engineer and going into testing. I think no one ever leaves university with the mind of becoming a software tester. I think even when I left that role I'm not sure if that role really existed, but there was a lot of passionate about quality and looking at protocols and identifying, does the protocol actually conform to European standard? And, you know, that was kind of interesting in itself. And we would be developing test automation frameworks and testing the the layers, layer two, layer three protocols. But what fascinated me and what drew me to the career of software testing and quality was that even if these protocols met the standard, doesn't necessarily mean that they talk to each other. And it was like a big aha moment because I realized that there is so much more to what quality is, right? And and you guess it's that difference between something being fit for purpose and conforming to the requirements. And I think that just really intrigued me. And for me, it's a never-ending problem space. I mean, this is something that will just constantly pop up and question us in our efforts to deploy quality products and quality software. And I proved proved to be true. I'm still incredibly fascinated by the area. I have moved on a bit from software testing into the role of quality engineering. That's a really interesting area for me now. But I think that that whole, you know, how do we know something is is ready, is good for fit for purpose. Yes, I think you're right. I think we could have a whole show discussing the the principles <laughs> and the meaning of quality. So <laughs> maybe that's something else we yes, can do in the yes. future. Yes. Maybe, maybe. I, I think you need about 10 podcasts. <laughs> it could well do. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Emery, can you maybe share a career tip? with the IT career energizer audience, one they need to know and perhaps don't? One of the things that I have learned over my career is that it sounds terrible, but don't be nice, but do be kind. And and by that, I mean that there's a real big difference between a professional and personal relationships at work and that you need to really think about how can you portray yourselves in a way that you are kind to people around you, but that you're working smart. Angie Jones is someone who works really smart. 
And yet she's a very, very kind person. And she thinks about how to apply herself strategically. The decisions she makes about her career are very considered. And she's someone I admire immensely, that she's taken her space and owned it. And I think that if you're looking at your own personal career today, it's really important to focus on how to, how to work it smart. And sometimes it takes a lot more than being a nice person and doing good work. So be like Angie Jones. So Emery, can you maybe tell us the story of your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? Yeah, so um, I took a promotion from QA lead. I was a QA uh, running a team of 30 testers. And it was a huge amount of fun, loved it. And we were very passionate about our work. And uh, we felt that we were changing the world in our testing. And we were doing some amazing things. And I realized, though, that in order to be able to be really effective, that I needed to take some of the concepts I was working to the whole team, that working testers in isolation to an engineering department adds some value, but it doesn't necessarily add the whole value because quality is a team responsibility. So if we're really, really serious about improving quality, we need to think about it as a holistic thing. And we need to look at the ecosystem in which quality lives. We need to think about the people who are developing the software. We need to think about the product owners who are coming up with the stories and the ideas. And we need to really look at that at a holistic level in order to be able to effectively deliver quality at pace. Like if you think about all the things that are challenging us at the moment, for example, there's a a need to deliver rapidly continuous deployment, the concepts of really getting quality responding to market demand. And these are all impacting how we deploy software. So quality has changed significantly since I first started. And I think we need to be able to run with that. So to get back to my story, um, so I went for a promotion or went for a role of running a department of engineers. I was very excited by this, but I was incredibly naive. And to some degree, I kind of paid the price for my naivety. So I'll, I'll talk to you a little bit. So I scaled from a team of 30 to a department of 250. I discovered, though, that worked, what worked for a loyal tribe of followers didn't necessarily work for yeah. everyone, especially engineers who thrive on empirical data. So whilst I had a lot of vision and strategy, I failed to consider that. And I also failed to put necessary structures in place to support my role. And when the chips hit the fan and they hit quite hard, I kind of blamed myself rather than seeing the situation as a corporate challenge and something that I needed to navigate and work around. So that was a huge lesson for me. And I think it learned the difference between being a manager and being a leader. And that often in many organizations, leadership's fantastic, but you also need good management as well. Um, I learned the importance of communication, to communicate your value, even if nobody's asked for that. And I think this is really important, especially when it comes to testing, because you can't see testing, right? At least with software, you have uh, something to 
deliver at yes. the end of it. But testing, it's really the lack of problems is what you're looking for. So, so one of the key roles in testing is to be able to speak to that. And even if people aren't asking for it, because if, if you don't provide that information to other people, what will happen is people will start inserting their own idea of what quality is into that space. So you will get, for example, the finance person thinking about quality in terms of cost, or you'll have the salesperson or the market marketing person think about it in those terms. So to some degree, what you want to do, even if you're not being asked for it, is find a way of, of visualizing that quality to other people and to be able to talk to them in their terms, not necessarily your terms. You need to talk to them in their language. And I think that's one of the really big learning lessons for me to the extent that I've really changed how I um, talk about quality. And now I talk about quality engineering in terms of business outcomes. Right. Okay. Just to give you a quick example of that, one of the, the ways I talk about that is, you know, often we talk about stories being done, right? And that adds some value, but really what the business isn't really interested in done in the terms of the code is delivered. What they're interested in is their, is their business problem solved. They want to use that feature in something. They don't necessarily care so much about the feature. They want that feature to provide greater revenue. So thinking about quality in those terms, thinking about outcomes in those terms and having those conversations so that when you do your testing, you can bring that into the conversation. And I think that's going to become more and more important. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's all about the perspective of what the benefit is to the business and what they're trying to get out of what you're delivering. So yeah, I totally agree. So moving away from your worst moment, can you maybe tell us a little bit about your career highlight or greatest success? I was having a look back. I've got many, Phil. <laughs> I'm happy to say. Good. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, running my own companies is a hugely um, rewarding experience for me. And I was thinking about looking back and thinking about, well, hang on, what is it about running my company that I enjoy so much? And for me, it's about providing a space for people. And when I look back at all my career moves that I've really enjoyed and been really proud of, they're always about creating a space where people, talented people can thrive, where I can give people opportunity to, to shine, really, and to um, identify skills that they may maybe never realized that they had and to do things that they never thought they could possibly do. The one highlight that I really would like to talk about is Speakeasy. So I was at a conference in 2014 with a... Um, a really dear friend of mine, Fiona Charles. And Fiona Charles and I were at this conference and there were very, very few women speakers at the conference. And we started moping and go complaining about this and why do we always just, you know, it's always the same people at these conferences and why can't we have more women? Why, why aren't there more women speaking? And we also were having a minor gripe. I thought Fiona turned around to me, she says, you know, I'm really, really, we need to do something about this. You know, we can't just sit here moaning about it, but we should really do something about it. And so we created Speakeasy. And Speakeasy was a non-for-profit volunteer organization 
where you could match mentors and people wanting to speak from a diverse backgrounds. Uh, we were specifically focused on gender, but we also had recognized that there are lots of different types of diversity out there. So we didn't only target gender. But what we do is we mentor them, match them with a mentor, and then we went to the conferences, and this was the secret sauce. We went to the conferences and we asked the conferences to provide a special space for speakeasy candidates. And that way, these people who had never spoken before could start practicing or start speaking and compete. They're not competing against seasoned speakers. They're competing against people who want to begin their speaking career. And it was fantastic. Honestly, the whole thing just took off. (laughs) Um, And we had so many people applying, so many mentors, which is a testament to the testing community. I have to say we had so many mentors applying to assist And the conferences were fantastic, too. They were, like, really keen to get um, these new people and new talent and new ideas coming in and speaking. So that was in 2014. It's still running. Speakeasy is still running. It's run by um, a few other people now. But it's really, you know, I see that idea has kind of rolled out in many different conferences and many other people are doing that idea. And I think it's just fantastic that we've been able to give people just a step up in their career in speaking. So that's a great initiative. Definitely. It is. I mean, for a lot of people, it's very scary to stand in front of an audience and uh, start speaking, certainly for your first talk as well. So it sort of eases them in. Yeah. And I think one of the big things, I mean, I remember distinctly the first time I was went to apply at a conference and I remember saying to, I think it was Rob Lambert, Oh, yes. I said, I've got nothing to say. And he just started laughing. (laughs) He's like, Amory, you have so much to say. And it's this perspective, I think, that you have nothing original to add to the story. And I think that's so untrue because even if the topic is the same, you still have your own personal slant on it. And I think some people feel like they have to come up with this amazing kind of how I changed the world. and, And that's just simply not true. People are interested in personal experiences. People are interested in how you approached a problem and solved it. People are really interested in how you approached something and didn't quite work out (laughs) because you can learn from that a lot. So I remember one of my talks was, you know, a case of failure and basically how I had to sort of approach a situation and had learned a lot from it, shall we say. So, yeah, I think Speakeasy is definitely up there in my my highlights of my career. Okay. So, Emery, what excites you about the future of the IT industry and careers in IT in particular? I'm going to talk about diversity and inclusion here because I just see so much talent. And I'm excited about the fact that we're recognizing the need for diversity and inclusion in our organizations. I think we still have a long way to go, but I think that we're starting to tackle that need and those biases that before we had never even realized we had. Even to the point of when I was working, you know, people talked about everything needed to be merit-based. And now there's a realization that it's merit according to who, right? And often that we look for people like us. Um, We tend to think about people who have merit as people who are similar to our skills and our skill sets and how we behave and what we do. 
And I think organizations are realizing that that is detrimental to them and that people are making real steps to moving and to moving into an organization that encourages different ideas and different behaviors and different ways of thinking. And I think that can only make tech stronger. And I look at a lot of the women who are sort of coming up into the field and they're just so talented and so amazing. And it excites me about the tech future. Cool. Okay. We're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. Are you ready for this? I am indeed. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? Okay. So I have listened to a few other podcasts and I have noticed that a lot of people of my age, shall we say, talk about Commodore 64s, right? (laughs) Yes. Right? (laughs) I had a Commodore 64, but I'm not here to talk about how basic changed my life. No, 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 no. When I got my Commodore 64, I, yeah, of course, I went and created my first basic program, but then I was like, is that it? (laughs) And for me, the exciting thing was pulling it apart to figure out how it worked, right? So, you know, I think for me, Technology is about understanding how it works and identifying and learning from it is what really fascinates me. So, yes, the Commodore 64 had a huge influence in my life, but not in the way it did with other people. What is the best career advice you've ever received? Uh, I think it came from my dad. Don't be afraid to ask for advice. People love giving advice. See, I'm doing it now. <laughs> um, yeah, people love to bestow their wisdom on others. And I think that's really useful in so many different ways. It's useful because you can learn something, but it's also useful because it's about building a relationship and a bond. You're putting yourself in a vulnerable situation and you're asking for their advice. And I think that that's a wonderful way to build a new relationship, a new and learn new things at the same time. So that's what I say. Don't be afraid to ask for advice or help. One more thing. I say never forget family. See, I just forgot family. (laughs) Never forget your family, whatever family means to you. But, you know, I think it's so easy to get caught up in tech and caught up in the next, you know, what's the next thing happening? And, and you get bury yourself into the word, into the world of tech. But I think you, Make sure you give yourself a boundary around tech and spend time with whatever family means to you. If you were to begin your IT career again right now, what would you do? You know what I would really, really love to do would be to look in the um, the SRE space, you know, so that reliability engineering. How can we make systems work in an optimal way? I think that is just absolutely fascinating for me. The geek in me would just just wants to delve into that space. And I think I'd see really the value of looking at sort of quality in that space and how can you make our systems tick well. Yep. I love the big picture and asking questions around that. So I think that's where I'd jump into. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? It's always growth for me, uh, loving to learn new things. Right now, I'm focused on a whole new passage in my career, which is business. So I've run my own company for a while, and now I'm looking to how can that be scaled and what are the business skills that I need in order to be able to scale my business. 
and to be able to do that effectively and still create that space for engineers who want to do great work. So that's proving to be really challenging for me. So I'm not naturally focused in that space, um, but I've got a wonderful partner that I'm working with who's helping teaching me those new skills. And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? The question how or and or what? Uh, These are sort of questions that have enabled me to assist smart people answer their own questions. So there's nothing more rewarding than helping people discover themselves that actually they do have the information, they do have the knowledge within themselves to do that job. And by probing and asking thoughtful questions, often the answers evolve out of that conversation rather than you having to tell people what to do or spoon feeding people what to do, which nobody likes. So I think that would be my little secret sauce. Emery, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT career energizer audience? I would say never let people put you in a box, especially in the quality space. It's very easy to be put in a box when it comes to testing. Look at yourself and you dictate the size of the box that you want to work in and you be the person to push those boundaries if you want to push them. And if you find yourself completely being blocked by those boundaries, find a way to work around them or move in a different direction. But I think don't let other people dictate to you where and who you should be. Absolutely. And finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you? So I write a blog called Maverick Tester. A lot of my ideas around quality engineering are in there. I'm hugely on Twitter at Charit, uh, C-H-A-R-R-E-T-T. My company's Testing Times, so swing by there and have a look at the services that I provide. And that's probably the most effective ways of contacting me. Anne-Marie, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you. It's been great being here, Phil. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening in to today's episode and to my guest career tips, advice and experiences. You'll find a show notes page for today's episode on the IT Career Energizer website, which will be itcareerenergizer.com slash e and then the number of today's episode. And a quick reminder that the show has now three episodes every week on Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. So make sure that you are subscribed to the show to get new episodes automatically downloaded. Also, don't forget to join the IT Career Energizer Community Facebook group. You'll get to engage with other like-minded people, get to find out more about upcoming guests and other episodes, and can get involved in the future direction of the podcast. It really is a great pleasure to be able to talk to so many inspirational people from across the industry and to be able to share their stories and advice with you. Thanks for listening, and remember, if you're not growing your career, you're slowing your career. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.